Today's reading is the chapter 3 of Philippians. Furthermore, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us, when we are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Amen. And thanks be to God. So here we are on this very first day of 2023.
And so I want to think just for a bit about how we should live in this year. People all across our nation will start this year deeper in debt, some without a job, some started last year happily married and are starting this year on their own. For some, this year begins with family members missing through death or through broken relationships. We began 2022 with hope for tomorrow, and yet many have ended the year wishing that tomorrow had never come. It's sad to say, but the majority of our world will start this year with very little hope. In the Church of Scotland, we face the reality of reduced incomes, of plans for union and closure, wrapped up as mission opportunities. We have increased parish sizes and fewer full-time people to do the work. It's not a particularly hopeful picture. And so, in those circumstances, the opening words of Paul in Philippians 3, verse 1, seem unlikely. Rejoice in the Lord. He says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Now, I've painted a kind of deliberately bleak picture, but there's a reality as well. Things are going to get difficult for those of us who are in the Church of Scotland and I suspect the Church in Scotland. And it's easy to miss the goodness of God because we focus on how difficult things are and how much worse they are likely to get. I don't think we should bury our heads in the sand so that we don't see or understand what's happening. We need to look, we need to understand so that we can respond. But I think at the start of this year, I want to remind you that in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus responding to Simon's declaration that he is the son of God. He says, this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. You know, when I was young, I used to think it was I had, I had that the wrong way around. I thought the gates of hell were somehow attacking the church. But actually, the gates of hell can't stand against the church. Imagine a church so expansive with energy. It's a great phrase, isn't it? Expansive with energy. And it's not just because we like being together. It's not just because we have some good ideas. It's because we trust Jesus. It's his energy. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through his people that the gates of hell cannot stand against. So we rejoice in the Lord because he is in control. Paul doesn't say rejoice in Bitcoin or the housing market or the NHS or even the Church of Scotland. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, because in the Lord I am a new creation. Because in the Lord I am more than conqueror. Because in the Lord I have victory. Because in the Lord I am a child of the King of Kings. Because in the Lord I am walking in the light. Because in the Lord I am ransomed, healed, restored and forgiven. 
Because in the Lord, I have everything I could ever need. Not everything I could ever want, but everything I could ever need. So at the start of a new year, can we think of something to rejoice in the Lord in? Where has his goodness and mercy touched you in 2022? Where, looking back, have you seen his hand at work? Rejoice in the Lord. Second thing is, having rejoiced in the Lord, don't put your faith in who you are. When I was a police officer, there were few things that would get my back up more quickly than somebody saying, do you know who I am? <laughs> yes, and I don't care who <laughs> so often there is, but do you know who I am? As if somehow they might get off with something. Do you know who I am? Paul says in verses 3 and 4, we don't brag about what we've done, although I could. And then he goes on to tell us all of the amazing things that are, are good about him. I mean, who does that? Right? Oh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not boasting, but da-da, here we are. It's like what? And then he says, "No, if anybody had a right to the presence, the glory, the peace of God because of their credentials, I have that." I mean, he says. That he is faultless. That's a, that's a bold claim. But he ends that bit by saying, but I no longer count on my own righteousness. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. None of us will succeed. This congregation is not going to succeed. And the Church of Scotland is not going to succeed by believing that we already have all that's necessary to do God's work and then ignore him and do our own thing. We need to experience that power that raised Jesus from the dead. And somehow also to participate in his suffering. You see, I like the first bit. I like the idea of power. I like the idea of you know the, the, the church going into the community and seeing and seeing people one for Jesus. I like I like that idea. I like seeing people transformed because God has touched their lives and their hearts. And, and, and I like I want I like that idea. What I don't like is the bit that says, "But it will cost you." But there is a cost when we follow Jesus. Then the next thing is that we can't settle where we are. Philippians 3 verses 12 to 14. My friends, I don't feel that I've already arrived. But I forget what's behind and I struggle for what is ahead. I sometimes say that, you know, I've not yet decided what I want to be when I grow up. 
Because there's always something new. There's always something else to learn. There's always somewhere else to go. There's always something else to see. God isn't finished with me yet. There's always more with God. I don't feel that I have already arrived. I mean, here's Paul. I mean, Paul, for goodness sake, you know, he wrote half the, the New Testament. He was a pretty important guy. I don't feel as if I've arrived. I forget what's behind because it's in the past and I struggle for what is ahead. There were things I'm sure that he would have been quite glad to let go. You know, being beaten and imprisoned, being shipwrecked, all of that kind of stuff. Things that you know, you, you would want to you know, get, get out of your memory. But what about, what about that conversation with Lydia and Philippi? The start of a church. What about, what about the, the, the conversations that he had with people? He we went to the Areopagus and he argued back and forward that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was God. What about all of that? I mean, great stuff. And see the church explode in growth. And he says, ah, I forget. I forget the stuff that's back there. The good stuff and the bad stuff. He's forgetting his heritage, his prestige, his wealth, his influence, the acceptance of the religious elite. All of it counted as nothing. He's preached the gospel all over the Mediterranean area. Thousands had been converted. He's established all of these churches and Christian communities. He's raised leaders and elders. He's done so much for the kingdom. And he says, but I'm struggling for what's coming. Isaiah, in his day, Chapter 43, verse 18 says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. The days of busloads of people heading off on the Sunday school trip are gone. As are the days when you could expect generation after generation of people to be in and around church. It seems as if we took too much for granted and we're too slow to respond to changes in society. We need to learn from the past and to celebrate success. But even those successes need to be put into context where we have allowed them to define who we are or where they've caused us to become complacent. We are creatures of habit. Once we find a pattern that we like, we settle in that pattern and we seldom step outside of the rut. But we we really need to make sure that we don't have to dredge our memories for stories of God's work and grace. If we can only point to instances of God's grace in our lives from five or more years ago, but not from this week, then our connection with Jesus needs attention. Because he's Emmanuel. God with us this day and every day. And when we connect to him, we experience the reality of that in our lives. 
And so if we're not experiencing the reality, we have to question our connection to him. I want to suggest to you that if you give yourself to God in this year, there are amazing things ahead of you. And it might blow your mind if you knew what they were. But God's promise is that he came. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it in all its fullness. That's his promise for you and for me. So when we trust him, when we follow him, that's what we should expect to experience. Sadly, too often we settle for where we are and what we have. Lastly, we need to be ready to leave. Verse 20, Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. How disappointed would you be if Jesus returned today? And it seems like a daft question, doesn't it? How disappointed would you be if Jesus came back today? You see, for some people, we're saying, oh yeah, we look forward to that day, but I hope I'm able to graduate, or I hope I'm able to get married, or what about children and grandchildren? What about waiting until I'm a wee bit older? Hold off, Lord, except you know, when you were doing exams, and it was, Lord, would you come now before I have to sit this? How sorry would you be if Jesus came back today? There are people who say they want the Lord to come. But there are other things that they put before that. We need to be ready. It's a thing that we don't talk about much in church. We don't talk about much anywhere. Is the fact that Jesus is coming back. <laughs> Do you know what we have Christmas, we have Easter, and we forget that there's another point to the story. In our text, Paul says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. The King James Version says, I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. See, we can sanitize the modern versions. I count them as nothing. No, it was much worse than that. They were, they were less than nothing. It was, it was the feces. Right? Strong words. Because as far as Paul's concerned, they are of nothing. All the stuff that he had, all of his accomplishments, all that he was looking to do was of no value whatsoever compared to knowing Jesus. So if we are not living ready to leave, I think we are missing out on what God has for us. And so if we'll spend 2023 rejoicing in the Lord, if none of us will put too much faith in ourselves, and if we'll not settle where we are and with what we have, 2023 is going to be a good year.
But if Jesus comes back and takes us home, it'll be the best year ever. Amen.